a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you. We are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Mark is in Salt Lake City. He's on the line. Good morning, Mark. What is your question? Good morning. Yeah, I just had a question. I um, bought three new fruit trees but in late August. And uh, I, I bought an apple tree, a pear tree, and a nectarine tree. And I planted them about, oh, four feet apart. And they're about four feet tall. And I put uh, mulch around them. And I I didn't water them too much. But I think I might have put too, too much miracle Grove in there. It didn't do good on the nectarine or the pear tree. But apple tree did fine. It, produced two big apples already. And my question was about pruning. I'm not, I'm new at this. And I was wondering when should I start pruning? I mean, cause they're only babies, you know, let me ask Are you just- a couple questions on your fruit trees. You said you only planted them four feet apart. Yes. Are they genetic dwarf or? Uh, they're genetic. They're not dwarf. So when I say genetic dwarf, they're not genetic dwarf that will keep them down to five or six feet tall. They're no. stand. They're going to get twenty feet because four feet yeah, is going to yeah, be over I time did. way too close. Yeah, i I have a pretty big backyard, but I plan it. It might be more than four feet, and probably more like six feet. But um, you probably want a twelve to fifteen feet between each one. Because as they get bigger, their roots expand and stuff, right? Well, and the canopies do. And so what will happen is probably the more aggressive trees will kind of take over and you don't have enough room in between them. You'll have to keep them so pruned that they may die over time from being able to produce enough energy because they're so close together. And so you may want – you planted them last year. Yeah, uh, just in late August. Uh-huh. Okay. You may want to dig those up and at least double to triple their spacing. It won't and hurt I do them. Have room, I do have room to do that. So yeah, maybe I, that's I the first thing I would do is double to triple their spacing. Okay. At least triple it so there's 12 or 15 feet apart. Then as far as the squirrels, I you know, unless you can somehow trap the squirrels, 
there's really they are so adept at getting around barriers to climb your trees that trapping them out of your yard is probably going to be the only way to keep them at bay. I know. Well, I kind of hate. I mean, they're cute little critters, but yeah. I mean, when they when they're eating my fruit, you know, I gotta cut. I mean, I have so many in my backyard. Yes, and uh, I even bought a little pellet gun. And I hate to kill them, but um, I just got to cut down on that. I mean, if they're going to eat my fruit, you know. Yeah. Anyway. All anyway, right. Thanks, Mark. Thank Thanks for the information. Right. Thank you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to retransplant my trees and give them more space to grow. Yeah, and do I that. that. This fact sheet on our Greenhouse Facebook page will give you some printing instructions that are pretty good. So we appreciate your call. All right. Or YouTube. Appreciate Thank your you. help. Thank you. Uh, next listener, Tom, says they've been seeing seed packets of tobacco. They're wondering why people grow it and is it ornamental? There are ornamental tobaccos. Flowering tobaccos are very pretty. They're oftentimes sold as Nicotiana. It's spelled like nicotine with an I-A-N-A at the end, but pronounced Nicotiana. And so the I found some tobacco at True Leaf Market the other day. That was just straight, like, filled tobacco. And those will get pretty big, but there are many beautiful ornamental tobaccos. Yeah, the Nicotiana is very pretty. It's very fast-growing. It reseeds, so if you plant it somewhere in your yard, uh, expect it to reseed the next year. I have a bunch of these. My neighbor had given me uh, seeds originally, uh, and then they get kind of a a white flower that kind of looks like a honeysuckle kind of flower, right? Yeah, and there are certain varieties that are super fragrant in the evening and through the night. And so if you sit on your patio at night, they smell wonderful. So, But you have to find the varieties that do say they have a fragrance. There are some dwarf Nicotianas that will get about 18 inches to maybe two feet that are smaller than the but yeah, the other ones very I have are really plants. tall. Yes, <laughs> right. So and so I don't know that not that you would you but you know they do have the nicotine in there but a lot of things we grow have those sorts of things in there we just don't know about it but Nicotianas have been grown for a long time. All right, next listener says their backyard faces west and there uh, there's about a five by ten garden space between their house and their cement patio but. They say their house is brown brick, and every bush that they plant in that space near the house slants away from the house, probably because it's getting too hot, gets about five hours of sun. They're wondering what they could plant there. They live in sandy. Well, if the sandy, if they have sandy soil in the area, you know, without maybe modifying the space a little bit, and if the water is running off too quickly, there isn't too much that would establish. Now, if they were looking for some drought hardy things that they might need to, you know, perennial St. John's wort might be one that would do well. Or if they wanted some bushes, maybe some of the smaller bush junipers would that get two to three feet high and wide would be pretty there and would survive on being watered every three or four weeks. But it sounds like that the water is running off too quickly for, and it's so well drained that it doesn't stay in the soil. And so they may need to flatten the area out a bit to plant some bushes, put some drip in there, and maybe for a few years water a small amount daily. And as the bushes get bigger, they could taper that off. But it sounds like that they just can't keep enough water there. And there's going to be very little that will establish 
unless they could modify the situation a bit. Okay. Next listener says, will or asks, will their dwarf euonymus plants come back? The deer have been eating on them this winter. They've been eating my euonymus as well. Maybe. It depends on how much energy the roots have stored. And so if they've been eaten down to just branches and they're well-established and healthy, they will eventually recover. It might take a few years. And if the deer keep chomping on them, it will kill them because they can't produce enough energy. And so the deer would need to be excluded from that area either by using the uh, repellents that you can buy in garden centers or some sort of eight-foot-tall fence. So I guess they're wondering when they'll know if these have been damaged too much and they need to just dig them out. May into June when they start to shoot new growth. And until then, we, it's anyone's Just guess, leave right? them alone. Depends on yeah. how, how much they've been eaten. Yeah. Right? I know that the deer have been eating my euonymus, but I didn't trim the euonymus <laughs> late in the season. So it had gotten so tall that they're actually trimming it back to where it should be. So I think mine's going to be yeah. okay. And you were good not trimming it in the fall because we're supposed to do that in the spring. I know. I know. But they get out of control yeah. and then get all gangly and yeah. Okay. Uh, next person says they have a dis- an old diseased peach tree that they're taking out and replacing. And they want to know if they can put a new peach tree a foot from where the old tree was. They should be okay. They are going to need to watch out for pests and things and download or subscribe to the USU IPM updates. Those will give you timing for what to spray to keep the bugs and pests out. And they will do organic recommendations so that you don't feel like you are poisoning yourself. So, but the USU fruit IPM updates. And so if you just do a Google search of USU IPM Uh, fruit update subscription. It'll take you to the page and you will be able to subscribe. It's free and get the information. All right. And then the next person, I'm not sure if I'm translating this correctly. They have a large sea thrift splendid that is a round mound of grass. Does that make sense to you? What is that? It looks like grass. Sea thrift is um, also called scabiosa. Okay. And they have either purple, pink, or white flowers through the summer. Hmm. And if it has grown nine inches to a foot wide and they want to split it in half, just use a really sharp shovel and they should be fine. So they can transplant that. Okay, we're going to take a break. Come back with the final segment of the show. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you for this final few minutes of the show. Number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton, lives in Bountiful. They have a golden, delicious apple tree. They want to know when they should prune it and what should they spray it with for bugs and, and when. So we talked about subscribing to the USU fruit IPM updates last segment. And Mm -hmm. I would really just subscribe to that because they will tell you down to the day when you need to spray if you live in Utah. So I would subscribe to that. Um, The upcoming spray, when you start seeing bud swell towards them not being opened but getting ready to open, you would do what's called a delayed dormant oil spray. And you can get dormant oil from any local garden center or farm store and do that spray. So that would be the first one. But otherwise, subscribe to the USU fruit IPM updates for further sprays just because I can't give you really calendar dates because it varies every year. But coddling moth after that oil spray is going to be the main thing that they are going to be spraying. And there's going to be at least three times in the summer that they'll need to. Now, what was the other question about the golden delicious apple? Um, They just wanted to know when they should prune it and then when they should spray it. So pruning it now is cool enough that you should have pruned a couple of weeks ago, but now is fine. And look at some apple pruning um, videos USU've put out on YouTube or fact sheet on we put on the Facebook page today, but uh, you want to cut about twenty to twenty five percent of the branches out. All right. Next listener says they have a blackberry, a thornless bush that last year they planted in a container, and they want to know if they need to add new soil or can they just fertilize it? Probably not. I think the biggest danger is that raspberry blackberries are very fast growers and it can quickly overwhelm a growing space over two or three years. Mm-hmm. So they need to watch out for that. And when they transplant it to a new pot or, or a bucket, excuse me, they will want to uh, put new soil on the bottom and around the sides. Okay, so they don't really need to add new soil this time around, but when they do actually need to transplant it, that would be the time. Yeah, that would be the time. Uh, Next person says, how do they keep the birds out of their cherry tree? They literally eat 99% of their cherries. So you can net the trees. And they haven't come on this year, but there is a company out of Cache Valley that sells actual big bags, big netting, made out of netting Mm -hmm. that you can just drape over the entire tree and tie it at the bottom. But if you, most garden centers and farm stores will sell netting that you can wrap branches Mm -hmm. to keep the birds out. But when you do that, you need to be aware that you're probably going to get a few birds trapped. But at least if you can wrap sections, you can get an acceptable harvest. Let's bring Suzanne on the line from Brigham City because she had a question like this as well. Good morning, Suzanne. Hi, it's Vivian. (laughs) I apologize Um, for that. That's that's all right. Listen, I have one cherry tree, and it is it is large and healthy. But the birds take ninety nine point nine percent of my crop before they're ready to eat, before they're ready to harvest. Is there anything I can do so that I can get some of those great cherries for myself? Yeah, wrapping individual branches that are going to be pickable with bird netting is going to be the easiest thing to do, and you should be able to pick that up from 
in hardware stores, farm stores like IFA or Steve Regan or um, garden centers even. I, so – and it will come in lanes, you know, 10 or 12 feet wide and 20 feet long. So you may need to cut it. And then when you wrap the branch, you can use – I don't know if you've seen the black squeezable paper clips that are – it's almost like they're hinged or spring that you can fold back. But those back, those are perfect. And do I find them at the hardware store? Like as Staples well? or Walmart oh, in the okay. business section. But they're the black paper clips that instead of just being the little steel ones that are for three or four pages, these are ones that you can clip, you know, 25, 50, 100 pages with. And so those oh. are almost like a little clamp. <laughs> and you can just clamp the bottom of the netting together. And you do that, you roll it a little bit and then clamp it so that you don't have a gap where you've seamed it together with those clips. Okay. And then I'm assuming then after season, then I take it all off. Yes. So after you're done picking, it can come off. Okay. Let's give it a try. All right, Vivian. Thank you for your call this morning. Uh, Next listener, Tom, says they have a semi-dwarf Granny Smith apple tree that's about 30 years old. Production's not been good for the last few years. Is it time to replace it? Maybe. What's the life of a Granny Smith? Usually the usable life of an apple is 25 to 40 years. Mm. And so it could be that it's just slowing down and not productive. They could try giving it a little bit of fertilizer. And, you know, if it's 30 years old, I might go in with a cup and a half or two cups under the canopy now and again in six weeks and see if that helps. And you need to give it a year to see if it boosts production. If that doesn't work, it may be time to put a new Granny Smith in. Okay, we have just two minutes left, Ton. You said you're seeing a lot of yellowing in pine trees. What's going on? Yes, and some of it could be the weather. You know, if a pine tree goes into the fall drought stress, even though there, there's moisture in the ground now, um, sometimes that can cause the tree to turn yellow and it oftentimes will green up again in the spring. But there are other things that cause pines to yellow. One of them is salt from roads. If you Mm. live on a busy road that the city, county, or state puts road salt down and then plows the snow on top of your trees, that can cause them to yellow out. And what you would want to do is water them deeply when you get water available to see if you can flush some of those salts through the soil. The other thing that I've been seeing a lot of are what's called white pine needle scale, and there's also a black uh, pine needle scale, and they're two different species of scale that on the needles they will land on there, and all of a sudden you'll see a needle have spots of yellow, and then it expands to the entire needle, and then eventually through the tree. And when you look at it with a magnifying glass, you will see these little black and white spots on the needles and sometimes even on the branching. And you need to use a systemic for those. But those are the three things I've been seeing as I've been observing that are turning pine trees yellow. Mm. Now, don't they know you don't get off the the air for another few minutes here, Ton? (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today for the KSL Greenhouse. Uh, The plan of the week this morning was the English daisy. If you want to know more about English daisies or pruning stone fruits, you can check out the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. We also talked in the 10 o'clock hour about pruning shrubs, and you can find all that great information there as well. Thanks for joining us today, and have a great weekend. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.